Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. Buster Summer Series. Are you guys having a good time with us on this series? Amen, amen. And we're going to start off with a little fun. We're going to do some movie trivia. I'm going to say a sound bite from a movie, and you're going to tell me the movie. Y'all understand? Yeah. All right. The first one. Mm, your father, he is. Star Wars. Do you know which one? Huh? Return of the Jedi. Mike, you're supposed to know that. Return of the Jedi. All right. The next one. I'll be back. Terminator, yes, 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 yes. And the last one, you can't handle the truth. A few good men, yes, yes, yes. And listen, in my sermon today, I might use a sound bite in there as well. So if you notice it, just shout out the movie, all right? And listen, we're in a safe space here, all right? So. There is no wrong answer, all right? Amen, amen. So in preparation for today, I I did some research because I really wanted to know what makes up a great movie. Not just a movie, but a great movie. And all great movies have compelling storylines, right? They're relatable, you know, you can identify with them to some degree There's an emotional impact that it has on us. It's entertaining, inspiring, thought-provoking. Sometimes, sometimes they make us cry. And you know what? I've been known to cry once or twice watching a movie, right? You know, brothers, is it even manly to say that? Huh? Well, I'm securing my manhood, so I I can say that. Um, Great movies, great acting. Great film and cinematography, right? Great directing. And they throw us curves. When we're watching the movie, we say, you know what? I didn't see that coming, right? And so I was having a little trouble finding a great movie. So I did what any respectable elder would do. And you know what that was? Come on. Come on. I asked Google. And a whole bunch of movies came out, but one popped out to me, and that was Million Dollar Baby. Have y'all seen that movie? Okay, okay. And it was released quite some time ago in 2004, starring Hilary Schrank, Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, and it was just an Academy Award-winning task. It was about an actress who was 32 years old, she was a waitress, and she had a dream, a dream of being a pro boxer. How many of you, by show of hands, watch boxing? That many. All right. Amen. Amen. So what sport to you do you find interesting? What sport do you believe is the best sport? Football? Basketball? You're sure? Come on now. You know what? Basketball? You know, we're in the South, and I 
think football kind, kind of wins. You know what I'm saying? But I know the best sport ever is boxing. Best sport ever. So I was having a, a conversation with a good friend of mine, and we were talking about sports. And I told him, listen, I, I really don't know too much about football. And then he said to me, Paul, what man can't speak in depth about football to another man? <laughs> I was taken back. I felt some sort of way, you know? And then I, I thought in my mind, I said, you know what? Maybe I really need to, to learn about football some more. Maybe it, it could be the evangelistic tool for me, and I can talk to other men about football and then segue into Jesus, right? But later on that day, it came to me. What came to me was, if men were to be able to have in-depth conversations about Jesus to other men, instead of football, where would the world be today, right? The South definitely would be different, that's for sure. <laughs> so you know what? Let's show uh, the first clip that I have of Million Dollar Baby. You guys got that queued up? Do your best, Lord, to protect. Other than that, you know what I want? There's no use me repeating myself. Mr. Dunn? I owe you money. No, sir. I know your mama. Thought you might be interested in training me. I don't train girls. People see me fat, Sam, pretty tough. Girly, tough ain't enough. Mm. There's magic of fighting battles beyond endurance. It's the magic of risking everything for a dream that nobody sees but you. Who's your new girl? Jesus. Working the bag, boss. I'm not your boss. You can have bags working you. Did you write your daughter? Every week. The girl tends to be coming along. Almost like someone's been helping her. I've seen you looking at me. Yeah, out of pity. Don't you say that if it ain't true. If I'm too old for this, then I got nothing. If I take you on... I promise I'll work so hard. You don't question me. And I'm gonna try to forget the fact that you're a girl. What is the rule? Protect myself at all times. Good. Find a man, Mary M. People hear about what you're doing and they, they laugh at you. <laughs> I got nobody but you, Frankie. Well, you've got me. And I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I'm just trying to keep you from doing the same. I know, boss. Good man to have in the corner. Yes, he is. Hey, hey get the hell down here. How old I am. I just want to keep her with me. You just protected yourself out of a championship. Frankie, I've seen you at Mass almost every day for 23 years. The only person who comes to church that much is the kind who can't forgive himself or something. You got a fight I don't know about? You gonna leave me? Never. So um, the reason I chose this movie is that it goes far, far beyond boxing, right? It's about so many things, and I, and I wrote a list. 
It's about relationships. It's about love, hopes, dreams, overcoming obstacles, dedication, hard work, family, tragedy. It's about death. Really, this movie is about life. Everything that can happen, I think, is in this movie. And you know what? I don't have all the time to talk about these points, unless, unless y'all got two hours to uh, hang out with me today. No? Not two hours? All right. 35.3 minutes? Okay. All right. And so um, I'm going to touch on one or two things. Um, and so let's, let's move right along. Uh, first question I have for you is, what is the difference? What is the difference between an A-class fighter and a B-class fighter? Meaning, what is the ingredients that make up a great fighter? Discipline. Anything else? Patience. Endurance. What's that, Roland? Wins. Oh, all right. Don't... Amen. Wins do count. And so those are, those are all great answers. But the one that stood out to me in this movie, the thing that really made her great was her coach, Frankie. And Frankie said to her, listen, if I'm going to train you, you must listen to me. You're going to have to do everything, everything that I teach you, from your footwork to protecting yourself, you're going to work to have to work hard. And you know, I remember back in the day, I fought in the ring for three rounds. After the first round, I was exhausted. You know what it's like to move around, protect yourself, try to punch, and then you're getting hit? Bruh, it, it is no joke. And so Maggie, she quickly accepted because she knew that with him, with him as her trainer, he would be, she would be successful. And so you know what? Let's go to the scriptures. Let's go to James 1, 22 to 24. Is it up there? All right. We're, we're going to go on. But don't just listen to the word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. Wow. <laughs> For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. Walk away and forget what you look like. <laughs> that is strong stuff. You know what? God's word is amazing. We can't read it and say, yo, I, I wonder what God was talking about. You know what I mean? It is straightforward, especially, especially especially the scriptures for salvation, right? And so we have to do exactly what it says or we are wasting our time. So here's the thing. If we look at ourselves in the mirror and we see the condition that we're in, and you might say, hey, Paul, what conditions are you talking about, right? Well, I'll say emptiness. Unhealthy relationships, failure, financial crisis, moral issues, drug abuse, purity, past hurt, 
a struggling marriage, right? My friends, if we notice, and there might be totally other things that are, are going on in your life, right? But if we notice these conditions and we do nothing about it, we're only fooling ourselves. But you know what? The Bible points that out to us, but it just doesn't leave us there. It gives us, it gives us the answer. And so if we move on to 25, it says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you by, for, uh, for doing it. Can I get an amen on that? There's a reward for listening to God's work, right? And that reward is freedom. Freedom from bondage. But yet, it's still a decision that we have to make, right? Moving forward, I want to, you know, we saw who Frankie was to Maggie, right? But I want to talk about the greatest rabbi, the greatest teacher, the greatest coach, the word in the flesh. And we're talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he walked earth and he started his ministry at 30 and he chose 12 disciples. He, he taught them for three years, right? He modeled his life in action while they were on mission. He allowed them to see his servant leadership style. He did many miracles. How many miracles? Many. He did. And they were divine acts. But it also taught his disciples the result of sin, the value of faith, and God's love for people. He transformed their lives. He changed them into fishes of men. He taught them to pray. He taught them to love their God with what? All their heart. All their strength. All their mind. Amen. And then he said, love your neighbor as what? As yourself. Yes, he did. He built them up. He built them up to send them out to make disciples. Right? I got a question for you. And it's a yes or no question, right? Here it is. Do you believe that this church, the path, is on that very mission to make disciples? Yes? I got another question for you. And this question, you don't have to call it out because we're in a safe place. You don't have to call it out, right? Do you believe that individually you are on that mission to make disciples? Is that you? Right? So, who can tell me in the Bible where I can find the Great Commission? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Amen. I want to start in 16 today. I want to go back a little bit. All right, we're going to cover it all, but I want to start in 16. All right, and that says, then the 11 disciples, because uh, Judas had died, he killed himself. The 11 disciples 
went to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Let's stop right there. So they were in Jerusalem. They got the message, hey, I want you all to come over to Galilee and meet me. I want to talk to you. Right? So they walked two days to get there. There was no Uber. They walked two days to get there. So one that's telling me they knew that Jesus had resurrected, right? They wanted to see him. And as soon as they saw him, they worshipped him, right? So they were happy to see him. Oh, man, they started worshiping him. But what do we see next? But some doubted, right? So it tells me that they weren't really doubting that it was Jesus and that he is resurrected, right? But, and, 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 and as well, the Bible doesn't really tell us. It doesn't say, hey, well, this is why they, they doubted. So I was left to speculate, and, and I've, won, I've often wondered about um, them doubting. And I wondered, what was their mental state like at that point? You know, what were they feeling? What were they going through? Maybe they were overwhelmed. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to process everything that had happened up until that point. Maybe they saw their Lord crucified and killed. Maybe they were thinking, you know what? If I continue on this path, what's going to happen to me? Right? And maybe their leader, their teacher, their Lord will no longer be with them in the flesh to guide them, to teach them, to encourage them, to protect them. Right? I don't know if the, the, those things caused the doubt or maybe there was something else. I'm not sure. But one thing I do know for me is that whenever there's uncertainty, there's a degree of doubt, right? But my conviction is that the only, the only sure thing is God. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? If you all don't know, I say amen quite, quite often. So you all can just come in there with me, right? Um, Amen. <laughs> and so I place my trust in him. And doubts aren't necessarily a bad thing, right? But if, 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 if we're going through something, I think the best thing for us to do is pray to God for discernment and ask him for a plan, right? Whether you're going to continue on that path or you're going to decide not to, right? Or... You can speak to a trusted friend or a professional in that field that can, that can give you some insight, some, some clarity, right? Last week, Sean did an amazing job. I walked away, I walked away convicted and inspired. Sean mentioned 
that we bought this building in a pandemic, right? And I said, you know what? What if the team didn't trust in God? What if the church didn't trust in God? We might have been overwhelmed or clouded by doubt. Maybe doubt would have clouded our vision, right? But it did not. And we're here today. Who knows how many other churches will be built? Where we will be next year? We know Ed wants to start a church. I'm sure that's going to be amazing as well. Let's continue back on in Matthew. Matthew 28, 18. I truly believe that Jesus knew exactly what they were feeling, exactly what they were going through, right? And I believe that's why he made the next statement that was so powerful. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not some, not a little, not a lot, all, right? He knew that he had to encourage them. He knew that he had to reassure him of who he was, his power, his authority, that he is still Lord and Messiah. And the bottom line is, if you believe in him, who can you fear? That, I believe, was what he had to say to them before he gave them the charge. Then he said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. I want to look at that word, make. How many of you have made something? Yeah? Did, it, did you make it right away? Did it happen? Poof. It was done? It was a process, right? I know when I'm building cabinets, it takes a while. And it's until I put them up and everything is nice, then that's the end result. So we know that when we are doing God's work, we're going to have to get in there with people, right, to help them along the way. And it also says, making disciples of all nations. So if we have biases of different people, or you know what, I'm used to talking to this particular person, or, you know, um, people in my race. Jesus saying, you know what, you're going to have to get uncomfortable, Right? But the beauty of that is when you talk to somebody you have never met before, somebody of a different race, or somebody in Europe or wherever, you definitely learn things. You learn a different culture, a different way of life. So that's the beauty in it. Frankie, who trained Maggie at the start, I don't know if you caught it, but he said, I don't train girls. So he had a bias. But he saw her worth. He saw how hard she wanted this. She said, he said, you know what? I'm going to train you, and I'm going to try to forget that you're a girl. <laughs> that, that was definitely a, a funny part, right? So let's continue on. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. My friends, baptism is not optional. It's a requirement. If it wasn't so, our heaven, our Jesus would not have mentioned it. He would have took it out of there. Right? 
So that is a requirement for salvation. Then we can go on. And teaching them to obey everything, not some things, everything that I've commanded you. And that continues to tell us that we have to stick in there, right? You know, it's a relationship. It's life that we're doing with other people. Amen? And then at the end, he said to them, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I, I love Jesus. He encouraged them at the start, and then he encouraged them at the end. You know, they might have been feeling, he's going to be gone. But he said, you know what? No, I'm going to be with you. And we can see that the disciples went on to do great things. They overcame whatever it is, whatever it was that they were going through. Not saying that they wouldn't have other struggles like we do, right? But they went on to do God's will. And so we spoke about Jesus. I'd like to kind of speak a little bit now about what it means to be a great follower of Christ, right? What do you think? What does it mean to be a great follower? Obedient. Listen, woo, come on. Huh? Faithful. Oh, yes, yes. Those are all great things. I have a few to add to it. Um, <laughs> must be humble, right? You got to know the word. Mm-hmm. Teachable, faithful. And you know what? I think you, you need to practice hospitality, right? So we're going to take a look at a few people in God's word that I, I believe are great examples, okay? So let's look at Acts 18, 24 through 26. Acts 18, 24 through 26, all right? So it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been, he had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. You know, whenever you're an eloquent speaker and you know your craft well, <laughs> you can tend to be a little, little, little arrogant, <laughs> a, little, a little prideful, right? But the beautiful thing is Apollo was humble enough, humble enough to allow himself to be taught, right? By people he really he really didn't know. They pulled him aside. But because of his humility, he was able to learn. And he went on to preach powerfully to the public and to explain Jesus and tell others that he was the Messiah. Right? And I'd be remiss if I didn't re uh, mention Priscilla and Aquila. 
right? In the Bible, Priscilla and Aquila are always mentioned together, right? You know, they were a great team. They did man, marriage and ministry together. They operated. They operated as one. They, pre, they, they practiced hospitality. The church met in their home, right? And Paul speaks about them. He says that they risked their lives for him and the Gentile church. If I can, um, if I can give any advice to the marriage ministry, it would be to blend your marriage and ministry together. Blend your marriage and ministry together. So um, I, have a, I have a few personal thoughts that I'd like to share with you guys. Uh, a little history, right? Okay, we're going we're gonna to take it back a little bit. So 28 years ago, I met this beautiful young lady, right? Her name was Michelle. Two years later, we got married. We weren't Christians at the time. We were just enjoying life, doing whatever we wanted to do, right? But I believe that nothing, nothing happens by accident. Do y'all believe that? Right? I believe that God allowed me to meet her because he knew, he knew that I would need her to make it. So 16 years ago, we became disciples. We became Christians. And we've been on a journey ever since. And an amazing journey at that. Right? Amen. You know, we respect each other. Our wishes. We compromise. We make all our decisions together, right? And we try our best to blend marriage and ministry together. And I believe that Priscilla and Aquila are great examples to marriages, right? And honey, I just want to say one thing to you. You complete me. Amen. Now, That was also a soundbite. Y'all didn't get it. That was from Jerry Maguire. Y'all didn't get it. Amen. Amen. Braxton, you were supposed to get that, bro. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right. All right. So let's take a look at our last movie clip.
Wow. Devastating, right? Maggie was on the verge of a championship belt, her dream. But she forgot a very important rule that she was told to by her trainer at the start. Did you catch it? Protect yourself at all times, right? She took her eyes off her opponent, and her opponent delivered an illegal blow after the belt, after the bell, sorry, that paralyzed her. You know, when I was watching it, you know, I said to myself, wow, I, I didn't see that coming. Because we're used to the, the star winning in the end, right? We're not used to seeing movies like this. And it goes on to show even something else at the end. Um, in boxing, it talks about maneuvering in a hostile space and being able to come out victorious or able to fight another day. None of that happened for her. She wasn't victorious and she wasn't able to ever fight another day. When the bell rang, Maggie walked back to her corner and for that moment, she relaxed. She felt it was a safe place that she could walk back and be untouched. She was very wrong. And so, my friends, for us, for us, our enemy, the devil, he will strike most likely when our guard is down, right? When we're relaxed, when we're comfortable, when things are all good, right? And that's a scripture that um, I remember when I first studied in the Bible, it just came off the pages to me. And that is 1 Peter 5.8. And that says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Imagine that, calling the devil great. Great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Mm. You know, I would hate for us to say, or for me to say, I didn't see that coming. You know what I mean? Let us be able to see the devil's schemes from far away. So we're able to protect ourselves and deliver him a devastating blow. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So I want to um, now pray for, for communion. So let's go, let's go to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Father God. We thank you for your word. And I pray, Father God, that we can invest the time into reading, but Father God, putting it into practice. 
Father God, that we are using God's word to protect our lives. Father God, and I pray that we can help as many people as we can to realize that as well for their lives. As we take the bread, Father God, which represents the broken body and the juice that represents the, the, the blood shed, Father God, for the forgiveness of our sins, that we don't take it lightly. That we remember, Father God, that you sent your son to die for us. I pray, Father God, that whatever we're going through in our lives, we make time to share your word, that it is important to us, Father God. And we are thankful that our lives are saved and we know where our eternity will be. We love you so much. I say these prayers in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.